Well, good morning, Northside family. My name's Nate, one of the pastors here. And as you guys know, Sam, this is also Jim Props. Both of these guys are our executive pastors here and they help run the day-to-day overseeing our staff. And I'm so grateful uh, to get to lead with them and to get to serve our church with them. And uh, right now, before we just kind of open up this series, I wanna take a moment to honor Sam Thomas. Uh, Sam has been on staff, it'll be seven years in August. And uh, I wanna honor him for a couple of reasons. One is this, Sam back in March uh, came to me, oftentimes we have one-on-one meetings and uh, group meeting, leadership team meetings. And back in March, Sam came to me and he said, hey man, uh, you know, he did what was really the courageous thing to do. And uh, what some people go, this is really unwise, don't do this. But it was really the wise thing. He came to me and just said, hey, I gotta be honest with what the Lord's doing in my heart. He said, I feel like the Lord is telling me he's preparing me for something new, but here's the deal, I don't know what it is. And he goes, I haven't interviewed, I haven't talked to anybody, I haven't called anybody. And typically that's not what you're supposed to tell your boss, right? You're supposed to go to your boss with, here's where I'm going, I'm out of here. And so since March, Sam and I and Jim and our elders and leadership team have just been praying with Sam and to say, what, what, God, what are you doing in his life? And uh, what's incredible is this, God was already going before Sam. And at the end of this month, Sam is gonna step off staff as he is gonna become the new executive pastor at Compass Christian Church out in Chandler, Arizona. And uh, can you just give Sam, just right now, just a big round of applause. And I tell you, I don't even know all the things Sam does for us here at church. You remember the birds that were flying in here? Sam's the one who got rid of them, all right? Uh, When the sprinkler blew up in the back and ruined everything, Sam's the one who takes care of that. He takes care of so many things. He helps protect the church. He has served you guys. He has served us incredibly well. And uh, we are greatly, greatly gonna miss him in this time. Uh, And I just asked Sam just to share a little bit. There's been so much prayer that has gone into this. And uh, Sam, would you just share a little bit with them what you've shared with us? Yeah, it really was, like Nate said, it was uh, March, so really end of 2020, started feeling like God was saying, I am releasing you from Northside, which is something that I was not prepared for him to say. And uh, so prayed about it a lot. It was months of prayer that went into that, a lot, seeking wise counsel, praying with my wife about it. And then I felt like God said to me, and I needed him to say all these things, you need to get this church through 2020, because I don't know if you guys remember, that was a rough year. Uh, we don't, to, we don't talk about that yet. Uh, need to get you through to, uh, this church through 2020. I have something new for you, and you have to trust me, and I'm going to take care of Northside. And I needed him to say, I'm going to take care of Northside because I really, really, really do care about this church. And uh, so, again, Nate said, you know, beginning of March, uh, we had a conversation about that, and that was something that was pre-quitting your job is, sounds stupid to do. <laughs> But when God's calling you to do that, he calls you to do things that are uncomfortable. He doesn't call you to be comfortable. He calls you to be uncomfortable. And so the analogy I've used uh, with everybody is if you guys have seen any Indiana Jones fans in here, that the third Indiana, oh, there you go, uh, third Indiana Jones movie, uh, he's going through these tests at the end of the movie to get to the Holy Grail, and there's a leap of faith, and he goes to take a step off of this cavern, and he doesn't know what's there and he steps onto a bridge that looks just like the rest of the cavern. And I said, we are going to step out over this cavern, and I can't see the bridge, but I know there's a bridge there because if God's calling us to something, I know that he is gonna take care of us. And so we made that step, and then like Nate said, 
uh, we had really said, I mean, you can't say I'm pre-quitting my job and then stick around forever. And so we said, hey, probably at the end of June, we're going to make this transition. Well, we said we wanted to let the staff know everything with the church in Arizona was going well, and they sent me an offer last Tuesday right before we told the staff. And so his timing is so much greater than anything I could possibly imagine and do on my own. And we know that, uh, like I said, God is going to take care of Northside. That's given Northside enough time to help figure out what backfill is going to be for my position here. And I'm available to them. I've told Jim and Nate, I've said, guys, you've got my email. You've got my cell phone. This is not a limited time offer. If anything comes up, let me know, and I will make sure that I help you with whatever I possibly can. So seven years has been a great seven years. It has not always been easy because ministry isn't always easy, but I would not trade the last seven years for anything. You guys will always be our family. Yeah. No, so grateful for you, ma'am. Like Sam said, sometimes we don't know all the details of what God's doing. What was amazing is the church where he's going, the executive pastor is retiring in November, has already sold his house there. And he's like, guys, I'm out. You guys get whoever you want. And what was so cool was God was already lining up Sam to come and take his place. And this is just God's faithfulness to his church, not just to Northside, but to the church around the world. Uh, but here's what we know about Sam. Sam is pretty iconic. Uh, his flannel and beards have become a trademark here. And, uh, and so we were honestly nervous about Sam going to Arizona because he wears flannel and has a big beard. And uh, so we went ahead and we thought, you know what, Sam? We, uh, we went ahead and we created a limited edition uh, flannel for you. Uh, and here's why it's limited edition. The sleeves rip off. And, uh, and so, dude, you are gonna be set. Welcome to the gun show. That's it, man. I don't know if Chandler's ready for this, but uh, so we got that. We also know this, uh, Sam's beard is incredible and uh, moving your kids, he has six kids across country. I have a feeling you're gonna have to shave the beard and your beard's gonna be a whole lot more gray uh, by the time you do that. So we have a beard to cover over if you have to shave your beard. But in all honesty, here's the deal. This is what we know about Sam. Sam uh, has left an influence here, will leave an influence here. Uh, because when we get to serve Jesus, this is the beauty of Jesus. We don't have to worry about our legacy. He is our legacy. And so, Sam, this is what we know. Your willingness to serve, to do whatever, to follow Jesus with all of your heart, soul, and mind has made a lasting impact. And so we know as you leave to Arizona, your influence won't leave here. And so what we want you to do is we want you to take Indiana and Northside with you. And uh, this is actually the coordinates to Northside. And we want you to put this in your house to remember you are always a part of the Northside family and we love you. And uh, Jim, would you pray a prayer of blessing over Sam right now and his family? Yeah, happily, let's pray for our brother and for his family. Father, we are grateful. We're grateful for the influence of the Thomas family. We're grateful for Sam. We're grateful for his gifts on display. We're grateful for time of great remembrance and uh, just the fruit from our brother's life. And, God, we also pray as a church family that we wouldn't so much lose him as we would launch him. Help us to launch him well. Help us to cheer him on. Now, Father, I pray that you would allow my brother to continue to walk in wisdom, that he would continue to just display the fruit of the Spirit, your Spirit, that he'd rely on your wisdom and your strength, not his own, that he'd be received well where he's going, just as well as he's been received here. So, God, we ask that you would do a mighty work, that you would provide a safe on-ramp for his kids, each and every one, 
that they'd connect well with friends and a new surrounding. Lord, for his wonderful wife, God, I pray that you'd be a strength, a source of wisdom and comfort for Angie as well. Would you just envelop the Thomas family with your grace, with your truth, with your love, and allow us to celebrate well with them, to cheer them on, and to anticipate what you're going to do next. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's cheer them on one more time. Appreciate you, bro. Well, I tell you that uh, couldn't be any better example of what we're talking about with this series as we're kicking it off. Really, this idea of word to the wise. And uh, here's the thing about growing in wisdom in Jesus sometimes it doesn't always feel wise. Sometimes it feels a little bit more scary than it does comfortable, but this is what Jesus' wisdom calls us to. And I was thinking about it last night after we celebrated Sam, and, and even this morning I was thinking about it. It was just incredible just to share that where we're heartbroken to lose him, but we're so excited about what God is doing. And really what I realized was this, when we were applauding Sam, what we were really applauding was wisdom. What we were saying is, God, thank you for speaking into his life. God, thank you for preparing things for us to do in your kingdom to reach people. One of the amazing things about the Phoenix area where Sam is going to, it is one of the fastest growing areas in the United States. And what the fastest growing area in the United States needs is Jesus. And it needs men and women who have said, God, I am all in with who you are and I am all in with your kingdom and your agenda. And that's our hearts as we begin this series, as we begin this seven week deal. Uh, really the idea of this series of word to the wise is this, we wanna seek after God's wisdom more than our own opinion. Uh, I gotta be honest, I'm not sure if uh, the desert where it's like 120 during the summer was the ideal place where Sam was going, God, can you send me there, right? Can I go melt? like? a candle out in the desert. And here's what happens. Sometimes we'll begin to listen to our opinions more than we'll listen to God's wisdom. But what we're going to find today is this. God always has wisdom for us. He always has plans for us. He always has his way for us. Now, here's the deal. For some of us in this room, we might feel like, or if you're watching along, you might feel like you don't really have God's wisdom. Let me just show a little bit how some of you, you already have more wisdom than you know. I'll just finish this sentence. You reap what you what? So, do you know that's in the Bible? You already, you already know that. You reap what you sow. Now, here's the deal. Proverbs all throughout the Bible are this. It's reminding us of the best ways to live. Now, here's the deal. Not every time do we reap what we sow because God's grace, we didn't sow that. He sowed that into us. We get to reap because of him what we did not sow. But in life, generally, here's the deal. You reap what you sow. Here's another proverb from Jesus that a lot of you guys have known. It's called the golden rule. Some of you guys know this. Do unto others as what? Do unto you. See, you... Y'all are already wise, man. You guys, are, you guys already got this down. See, this is the beauty. What happens is this. Proverbs and wisdom are direction points because oftentimes, especially in biblical times, people were illiterate. They couldn't read. They didn't have the scriptures with them. What they needed was this. They needed wisdom to make snap decisions in life that they could remember. This is why oftentimes people love the book of James and the New Testament because they call the book of James the, new, the Proverbs for the New Testament. He, say, he says phrases like this, faith without works is dead. He says phrases that we remember, that guide our life, that help make us wise. 
Throughout this series, throughout the book of Proverbs, what we're going to find is this. Jesus wants to grow us in his wisdom. We're going to find out how we guard wisdom next week. We're going to find out on Father's Day how we can parent with God's wisdom. On, on 4th of July, it's on a Sunday, what we're going to learn is this. How do we live wise as followers of Jesus and as citizens, not just here in America, but across the world? How has God called us to live as faithful followers, even as citizens? God's wisdom has direction and insight for us all the time. But here's the mistake. Oftentimes we think wisdom is only for those who have like an IQ of 150 or 180. We think wisdom is only for the smart people. Or we think wisdom is only when you get old. Here's the deal with wisdom. You can have all the intelligence in the world and not be wise. And you can be 90 years old and still not be wise. I learned last week through Jacob Bales, it's not wise for me to wear khakis and sit on a swing because I look like Forrest Gump. <laughs> I learned, do not preach in khakis, right? I still have more to learn. I have more wisdom that God has for me. But here's the good news about wisdom. As we begin to reflect in the life of Jesus, he wants us to grow in wisdom. But this is what I love. There's this passage. This is why we even call our, our third through fifth grade ministry, Club 252, it's this. It comes from Luke chapter two, verse 52. This is what it says about Jesus. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Do you know that? That Jesus grew in wisdom. He had a way of going, God, I need your wisdom. I'm gonna follow your ways. Here's the good news for you today. If you're going, I'm trying to make sense of life, maybe God has spoken to you like Sam and he's called you to something new, but you're going, I don't know how to figure this out. I don't know what to do. I don't know the decisions to make. This is the beautiful thing. If you're taking notes, you wanna write this down today, is that God's wisdom is always received. It's never achieved. This is the beauty about God. He wants you to receive his wisdom. And what happens is this, when you and I begin to open our hearts and our minds and say, God, more than me living by my opinions, God, I want to live by your wisdom. I want you to direct my life. I want you to direct my career. I want you to direct my days. What happens is this, he fills us with his wisdom. This is how Proverbs chapter one starts. I love how Solomon begins to explain what wisdom is, godly wisdom. He says this, in Proverbs chapter one, he says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. God's saying, I'm not waiting for you to get old. I wanna give my wisdom to the young. Let the wise, listen to this, let the wise listen and add to their learning. God wants you to grow in his wisdom. Let, you, let us add to our learning and let the discerning get guidance. Meaning this, there's never an opportunity in our life where we go, I'm done learning about Jesus. See, this is why we need the church family. This is why we need our life groups. This is why we need one another. We're gonna talk about building godly relationships that lead us in his wisdom. He said, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. And then this is what he says in verse seven. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. 
This is what I love about God. God's going, the biggest thing for you to grow in his wisdom is this, that you and I would open our hearts to say, God, I wanna listen to you. God, I wanna add to what I've learned. God, I want what you have. One of the Proverbs says this, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the who? To the humble. God's grace is for those who go, God, would you begin to speak into my life? God's going, I want to pour out my wisdom. I want to build you up. If you have decisions to make, I want to lead you in the right way. But this is what he says in verse 7. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, we say the fear of the Lord, and it kind of freaks us out a little bit. It's like, I have to go to the principal's office to get wisdom? You know, the fear of the Lord, like, okay. And now here, let me give you a little context. If you even do a word search throughout the Bible, I wanna encourage you this summer to go out and research all throughout the scriptures where it says the fear of the Lord. And what you find is this, the fear of the Lord is always a blessing. Because what happens is when you and I fear the Lord, here's what happens. One, we live in awe of God, but we don't just live in awe of God. Here's what the fear of the Lord also means. If you're taking notes, you wanna write this down. It means this, that wisdom begins with the end in mind. That the fear of the Lord means this, that we go, God, you are our goal. God, you're the goal of my life. Whatever it is, however you call me to live, whatever your word calls me to do, I'm gonna step into it because God, you're the end goal. I remember when Ruthie and I had our first child, Lily, uh, the hospital where we were at would not let us uh, have the kid there until we attended a class. Because what they knew is this, you have no idea what you're doing when you become a parent. They know this, you have no wisdom on how to be a parent. And they're like, we wanna give you wisdom. Matter of fact, they're like, if you don't do this class, we're not gonna deliver your baby. And, uh, and so we went to the class, pediatrician came in and he asked this question, I'll never forget it. We're all new parents in this room. And he said, guys, what is the goal of being a parent? Just kind of looked at each other like, you know, I don't know, man. You know, and we're like, oh no, they're gonna take our kids from us, right? We don't, we don't know the answer. And he just simply said this, here's the goal of being a parent, to raise an independent, fully functional adult. That's your end goal. And they said, and when you know that's your end goal, you will parent towards that goal. What kids need are not parents to be their friends, they need their parents to be their parents. They need their parents to instill truth and grace and mercy into their life. None of us are perfect, but that's why we have the end goal. And what happens is this, when we have a clear end goal of what it means to be a parent, what we do, how we discipline, how we love begins to take shape in our everyday life because we know what our goal is. This is why it's a good thing as a parent to not just give your kid whatever they want because they don't always know what they really need. And as parents, we use discernment to live and to love. Now, here's the thing about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is this, it's not just to be independent. Here's why we have to understand and grow in God's wisdom because typically we're raising our kids to be independent of us. One day, Lily's doing her own laundry. We ain't doing your laundry anymore, kid, right? And one day, allowance is done. You're gonna make your own money, right? You're gonna pay your own insurance, right? You're gonna take care of your own car insurance. You're gonna buy your own car. Old dad's not just gonna keep buying your car. Dad, I'm 60, buy your own car. I ain't buying it. Can I borrow your car? No, right? No, you can't buy it. Now, here's the deal. If we're not careful, we know in parenting it's to raise independent people. But can I let you know, here's how God's wisdom comes in. This is why we've got to understand the fear of the Lord. 
Our goal as Christians isn't to become independent of Jesus. Our goal as Christians is to become dependent on Jesus. That's our end goal. That God, I am to depend on you, even in scary situations. God, even when you begin to speak visions into my heart that will call for obedience and sacrifice, God, I'm to step in to what you have for me. See, here's the deal with wisdom. We don't worship wisdom, we worship the God of wisdom. We don't just worship intelligence. We don't just worship Bible knowledge. What we do is we say, God, you are our end goal. This is what Jesus says in John chapter five, verse 30. His life, the one who could be independent of anybody else, the one who could have lived the most solo life, lives the most dependent life. This is what he says in John chapter five, verse 30. He says, by myself, I can do nothing. But you're Jesus, I know. I'm also human. As much as I'm 100% God, I'm 100% human, and here's the deal. Human life does not live independent of God. We don't grow in wisdom outside of God. Jesus says, by myself, I can do nothing because I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but God who sent me. Do you hear the end in mind in Jesus' life? Man, I don't even judge how I want to judge. Jesus goes, I don't walk around with my opinions. I'm always going, God, what do you have for me? God, what is your knowledge for me? See, this is how Jesus grew in wisdom, and this is the wisdom that Jesus has for you and I this summer, that you and I wouldn't grow independent, but you and I would grow dependent on God, that we would allow him to transform us from the inside out. Now, here's the deal. When Jesus begins to say, I judge only as I hear, some of us are going, ooh, what, judge? Here, can, can I just let you know? Jesus has grace for us because that's what the cross is all about. I also have to tell you what the scriptures say as well as this. There will be a day of judgment at the end of our lives. And scripture says this, that every single one of us will stand before our judge. And when you and I begin to live with that understanding, this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. He says that every single one of us will give account on the day of judgment for every careless word we have spoken. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus, right? I don't know if he's going to put it up on a jumbotron and be like, Nathan, 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 right? I'm like, oh, I know, I need you, Jesus, help me. Paul says this in Romans chapter 14. He says, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Hebrews chapter four says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him of whom we must give an account. Now, here's the deal. Too often times, judgment has been preached in churches without grace. Now, here's what happens. When you preach judgment without grace, this is what you get. Harsh. That's why a lot of people have left the church. All they heard is judgment, and they never heard the cross. And they never heard about grace. And they never heard about mercy. All they heard about just mean preachers who just like to yell. That's just harsh. But here's the other thing. If all we do is preach grace, but we don't preach judgment, it's hollow. It's hollow. You and I will give an account for our lives. And the question Jesus is going to ask is, what did you do with what I gave you? That's what all the parables say. I gave you this. What did you do with what I gave you? I wanted to give you wisdom. Did you listen or did you just listen to your own opinion? 
Well, what'd you do with what I gave you? But here's what happens when we combine grace and judgment. Here's what we get. We get holiness. We get godliness. We get the spirit of God. We get to live. This is what I love. Proverbs 19 verse 23 says this. It says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. The fear of the Lord leads to life. A lot of times we go, when we fear the Lord, man, it feels like he's gonna ground us, right? He's gonna take away the keys from our car. Jesus says, no, 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 no. God's word says this, when you and I fear the Lord, when we have him as our end goal, when everything we do is pointed towards him, here's what we experience. We experience freedom. We experience new life. We experience a way forward. Matter of fact, you begin to read all throughout the New Testament, specifically in 1 Peter chapter four, you hear Peter's disciples, they begin to live with the end in mind. No matter what they faced, no matter their persecution, they always had the end in mind because that's what wisdom does. It always goes, Jesus, you're my end goal. Listen what he says in verse seven. This is what Peter said, one of Jesus' best friends. After Jesus went back to heaven, he writes 1 Peter to the church 20 years after Jesus goes back to heaven. And this is what he says. He says, the end of all things is near. He has the end of mind. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. You know why we operate with the end of mind? You know why we have Jesus as our wisdom? So we can pray. Some of you today, your life is overwhelmed right now. You are anxious, the world is changing. For some of you, you're about ready to step into college. For some of you, you're about ready to step out of college and into a new career, and you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And what Peter's saying is this, hey, remember, the end of all things is near. Remember, you have a savior who's called you, who's gifted you, who is your wisdom. And he says this, now that we live with the end in mind, he says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And each one should use whatever gift he has, here the word is, received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various form. You know how your life comes alive in Jesus? You start with him as the end in mind. For even you sixth graders today in this room, start with the end in mind. You wanna experience junior high as God has for you to experience, I'm sorry, middle school, it's not junior high here. You wanna experience middle school as God has for you to experience, start with the end in mind. Man, you wanna begin a career that, has, that flourishes, that God uses, start with the end in mind because here's what happens. Whoever our judges becomes our wisdom. This is why it's good for you to not be your own judge. Matter of fact, one of the worst judgment moments of my life came when I was 14. Uh, my sister came home from school. She drove me home. She's two years older. It was perfect. When I started high school, she got her license. So I never had to ride the bus. It was awesome. And uh, she would always drive me to school, not because she wanted to, because my parents made, made her. And uh, we drove home together from school. And when we got home from school one day, I said, Rachel, you take me to Taco Bell. That's your job, right? She looked at me square in the eyes and she said no, right? And uh, not loving at all. And so I just looked at her, I said, fine, I'll drive myself. I was down in Las Vegas, literally, took the keys to the car, got in the car. Some of you parents of sixth graders are like, I knew I shouldn't have brought them in here today, right? 
I literally took the car, I'm 14, never drove before, took the car around the block. This is out in Las Vegas, a busy street, our neighborhood. Took the car around, car started coming at me. I freaked out. I literally just pulled the car over and I went, this is probably not the best idea. Drove back home. We lived on a steep driveway and so we had to pull the car all the way up so it wouldn't leak oil. At the very last minute as I pulled the car up to kind of be there where it wouldn't leak oil, I mixed up the, the gas and the brake and I drove through our garage door. It's amazing how those moments stick with you, isn't it? <laughs> See, here's the problem. Whoever our judge is becomes our wisdom. In that moment, I was the judge. And in that moment, I was not wise. See, this is why the fear of the Lord is so important. Not because God is just trying to discipline you and just be harsh with you. It's because he wants your life to thrive. He wants you to experience the goodness of God. He wants you to experience the wisdom of God. He wants your life to change. This is why Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, at the end of it, after he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then right after it says, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. And here's the thing about the fool in scripture. This is what you find. The fool is actually not stupid. You know what scripture describes the fool is actually? Sometimes the fool is actually the most intelligent, richest person. But here's the deal. They want to be their own judge, not God. And the fool despises wisdom and discipline. That day when I was 14, I physically wrecked the garage door and the car. Here's the deal for a lot of us in this room, and there's, I can give you a list of other times in my life where I've wrecked my life spiritually because I became the judge of my own life. When I began to read and look at wisdom and the wisdom literature, I didn't realize this, but you know, all of us have heard about the seven deadly sins did you know that the seven deadly sins are directly connected to wisdom? We think seven deadly sins are just things we have to endure here in life. You know, we just have to endure greed and wrath and lust and sloth and envy and gluttony and pride. And we go, that's just life. Hopefully we'll navigate those. Actually, what we find is this, when you and I begin to operate with the end in mind, when you and I begin to operate with the spirit of God in mind, when you and I begin to go, God, my life is for you. My life is for your kingdom. My decisions, whatever the cost are for you. This is actually what I began to find as I researched. I didn't realize this, but in Galatians chapter five, verse 22, when it lines out the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is exactly the answers to the seven deadly sins. If you want to conquer greed, this is what it says, grow in the joy of the Lord. Receive the joy of the Lord, that he is enough and he breaks the power and sin of greed in our life. If you want to overcome lust in your life, grow in the love of our Savior. This is what the theologian C.S. Lewis says. I love what he says. He says, love is the great conqueror of lust. That the love of God breaks the power of lust in this world. Gluttony, it's self-control by the Holy Spirit. Being a sloth, which means just to be lazy. Faithfulness and the goodness of God overcomes being a sloth. The wrath that we live with comes and is conquered by the peace and the patience of Jesus. Our envy of one another, uh, one another is overcome with God's kindness. Pride in our life is overcome with Jesus's gentleness. 
See, the fear of the Lord, it leads to eternal life. It leads to the life of Jesus. It leads to this wisdom that we need. This morning, got a cool text from a buddy. He said, hey, man, I've been talking to my son, which I love these stories. He said, uh, and when you have time, he said, I'd love to meet with you. He, his son's about 13. He said, uh, he's ready to get baptized. And he said, uh, he goes, he's kind of scared of crowds. He said, could we maybe do it uh, offside or something? I said, absolutely. And here's what I love. I love hearing a dad who's saying, I'm having wisdom talks with my son because I want him to grow wise. See, the reason why we get baptized is because we understand Jesus isn't just our savior, he is our king and Jesus is our wisdom. He is our way forward. He is the power of the Holy Spirit. He is what changes us, changes us even when life comes in and we don't have all the answers. Matter of fact, for some of you, you're like my friend where you know or you need to get baptized. And, and next weekend after service, we're gonna do baptisms. And I wanna invite you, we've already got people signed up. I wanna invite you, if you've never been baptized, you can just simply text the word accept to 81411. It'll take you to mynorthside.com slash baptism. We got information there. Talk with somebody out in the living room after service down by the cross today, but here's what we know is that over and over again, God's wisdom is always received. This is what Peter's saying, the, the gifts that we received, be generous with them, be generous with them. But here's the path, here's the path to wisdom. Here's how wisdom begins. There's simply one thing I want us to do as we begin this series today, is to confess our need for God's wisdom. It just simply is saying, God, I need your wisdom. For some of you, it might not be a baptism conversation. It might be like Sam going, God, you're putting something in my heart, and I don't know what it is, but God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your help. God, I don't know what this next season looks like, but Lord, I, I need your help. I love what the author Louise Penn says about the four sentences that lead her to wisdom that she practices as a habit. I love these four. She says this, this is how she grows and finds her path to wisdom. She says, it begins with saying this, I don't know, I need help, I was wrong, or I'm sorry. And what she finds is this, that helps her begin to experience wisdom. Maybe for you, that's just the beginning of a prayer for you to pray, God, I don't know what to do with this situation, but Jesus, I need you in your wisdom. God, I'm not sure what the future looks like, but I need your wisdom. See, here's what's fascinating about Proverbs. We're gonna look at Proverbs over the next several weeks. And what happened is this, the Holy Spirit wrote Proverbs through King Solomon, the wisest man to live before Jesus. Here's what's interesting about it though. Solomon writes Proverbs and he writes Ecclesiastes. Wisest man to live. But here's what the end of Solomon's life looked like. Wealthiest man on the face of the earth. Most popular man on the face of the earth when he died. But here's the deal, you ready? He died a fool. He was the smartest man on the face of the earth. He was the richest 
man on the face of the He was the most popular man. And he died a fool. And he died not because he was stupid. He died because he had the wrong end in mind. He had let go of the wisdom of God. He had let go of letting God be his goal in life. Here's what's fascinating about the contrast between Solomon and Jesus. Jesus dies on a cross, broke and naked and unpopular. And he gives wisdom and life to the world. Jesus has wisdom for you and I today. He has life and grace for you and I today that this world does not offer. I want to read this passage over you as we close today. It's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 14. And what's amazing is this. It's written by the apostle Paul, who was the smartest Pharisee at the time, the most intellectual person of the Pharisees, had the first five books of the Bible memorized, but here's the thing, didn't have Jesus as his wisdom until he came and met Jesus face to face and it changed his life forever. We have 13 books of the New Testament because this man, Paul, chose wisdom of God to be his end goal in life. And listen what he says. This is what I want to just read over you. He writes this to the church in Colossae. He writes this to us today. He reminds us of the wisdom that changes us in verse nine. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He's praying for the church that we would grow in God's wisdom, that we wouldn't grow in our opinion, but we would grow in his wisdom. And he said, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. It may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of the life. Did you know that through Jesus, you get to share in God's inheritance? He has an inheritance for you to experience, wisdom for you to experience, life for you to experience. And then he says this, for Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of the son whom he loves and in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus, you and I have wisdom for a new day. Let me just ask you, where do you need wisdom today? Because your heavenly father has it for you. Let me pray for us and we'll walk in his wisdom today. Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you that God, we can openly confess to you the times where we've been the judge, where we've been the jury, Father, where we have led the way and yet Lord, time and time again, we found it to be a dead end 
every time without you. And so, Father, I pray for those today who are looking for new life, who are looking for a second chance. Father, right now, God, would you open their hearts and minds to you. God, would you transform them from the inside out because of your goodness and your grace. Father, for those of us in this room who are trying to navigate life, maybe business is changing and life is changing or we're entering in a new grade or a new season of life. Father, right now in this moment, would you be the end goal for our lives? Jesus, because of your goodness, may we seek nothing else but you. And Father, we pray this not by our ability, but by your power in the Holy Spirit. Would you get glory day in and day out from our lives this summer? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for paving the way. Thank you for giving us your wisdom. Thank you for being our wisdom today. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. And all God's people said together, amen. May you walk in his power and wisdom today. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.